earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Are you in your car today? Are you at home? Are you somewhere else on your mobile device catching the podcast? Friends, last time we began a new topic called Touching Others with Our Faith. In this series, I'll be sharing some natural and creative ways we can reach out to people in our circles of relationships or in our spheres of influence. And if you're joining me for the first time today, part one was looking with Jesus' eyes. And today, part two is called listening to the Spirit's voice. If you missed part one, the podcasts are freely available at faithtalk1360.com. Just search for local program podcasts. I'd like to begin today's installment by sharing a true story about Dan Montgomery, who one Friday afternoon was sitting in a seminary class, gazing out the second-story window at the grassy court below. His theology professor had just erased from the blackboard a long list of Bible references on the Holy Spirit. So now, in Dan's own words, I felt weary from memorizing a semester's worth of long lists about the Holy Spirit. You know, the divine attributes of the Holy Spirit, the appearances of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Today, Dr. Palma had cited all the references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The fire that had spurred me to sign up for this course sputtered out after the first few lectures. Digging up hundreds of historical references about what the Holy Spirit said or did thousands of years ago just seemed like spiritual archaeology. I thought... I know history has its place, but can't I encounter the Holy Spirit today? What is the Holy Spirit doing where I am, in Springfield, Missouri, right here, right now? After class, I followed Dr. Palma into his office like a lost puppy, looking for direction. He invited me in. So I asked him, Dr. Palma, do you ever hear from the Holy Spirit? He replied, not directly. I don't hear anything personal from the Holy Spirit, such as a conversation would imply, but I do feel comforted now and then. Why are you asking? I searched for words. I just want something more from this course. I want to learn how to experience the Holy Spirit and have a real relationship with him. I shifted in my seat and my voice became a little tense. I want to know if the Holy Spirit really knows who I am and if he can guide me in specific ways. Dr. Palma looked out the window and then back at me. 
Dan, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you in a personal way and see what happens. Tell him you want an adventure for today. Well, I returned to my dorm to get ready for my study date with Gwen, a friendly girl who sat next to me in the Holy Spirit course. You see... I volunteered to help her get ready for our final exam the following week. We planned to study at the Southern Missouri State University Library across town. While in the shower, I began to formulate a prayer. Then as I got dressed, the prayer came together in my mind. I prayed out loud, Holy Spirit, I'm tired of memorizing about the good old days. I want to know if you're really alive and well in the 20th century. Can you please speak to me today? Well, when Gwen and I arrived at the Southern Missouri State Campus, I invited her to have a cup of coffee before hitting the books. We strolled over to the building that housed the Student Activity Center, Ballroom, and Snack Bar. As we entered, the throbbing beat of music struck our ears. I noticed a sign announcing a rock band that was playing in the ballroom upstairs. I smiled at Gwen and gyrated my body in fun, but we knew he didn't dare go upstairs. The seminary prohibited dancing. Any student caught at a dance could be expelled. So we walked to the snack bar where I bought coffee and muffins and Gwen and I sat down in a booth. No sooner had we sat down, a presence came over me so strongly that I froze. A powerful thought formed inside me and grew into a voice speaking within me. Gwen asked, what's wrong, Dan? I muttered, just a minute, staring into the space. The inner voice said so matter-of-factly, Dan, go to the dance. My hand trembled as I handed Gwen her coffee and took a sip of mine. Gwen, I think the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. She replied, I didn't hear anything. I replied, no, I mean inside of me. What did he say, she asked. He said, go to the dance. She said, that can't be the Holy Spirit. It's against the rules. I know, I said, but what if it really is the Holy Spirit? Will you come with me? She replied, Okay, but let's just go in and come back out. We finished our coffee and walked upstairs to the ballroom. I was curious, but a bit tense. At the top of the stairs, the blaring music hit us full force. The ballroom glowed softly with multicolored track lights. Now and then a strobe light flashed, making the gyrating dancers look like ghosts dancing in slow motion. That voice spoke to me again. Go stand in front of the band. I squeezed Gwen's hand and she followed me across the floor. Suddenly I imagined a scowling Dean pointing his finger at me and yelling, You're out of here! His mouth would drop when I pleaded, The Holy Spirit made me do it! I thought of abandoning the whole experiment, but the inner voice spoke again, this time even more specifically. Go strike up a conversation with the young man wearing the yellow shirt and blue jeans. His name is Terry. Tell him I love him. I'm sorry for the pain he's gone through. If he wants me back in his life, I'll give him new guidance. I thought, this can't be the Holy Spirit. It's got to be my imagination or some kind of wish fulfillment. I turned to Gwen, not knowing how to explain my perplexity. Is he still talking to you, she asked. Yes, I said. Well, what are we supposed to do next? 
Gwen had more faith than I had, and she wasn't even hearing the voice. But I resolved to carry out the strangest orders. I just had to find out if it was the Holy Spirit leading me. I took a deep breath and led Gwen across the dance floor right next to the guy in the yellow shirt. Feeling awkward, I moved into his line of sight. I then clumsily introduced us as students from across town. My name's Terry, he said. My heart pounded. Terry, I said. The Holy Spirit just told me to come over here and give you a message. Who? he asked. The Holy Spirit, I shouted, as the band hit a loud chord. The strobe light pulsed wildly, highlighting the incredulous look on Terry's face. At that moment, the band stopped for a break. Then, in normal volume, I said, as sincerely as I could, The Holy Spirit says he's sorry for what has happened to you. He says that he still loves you very much. He even told me your name. Terry's mouth dropped. Then tears flowed down his face. I can't believe, he said, stammering, that God knows I'm here and sent you to talk to me. I've been so lonely. It's been the worst year of my life. How so, I asked. Terry told us he too had once been a student at the seminary. I was about to graduate, he said. Some friends talked me into going to a dance. Another student saw me go in and reported me to the dean. He expelled me. What have you been doing since, I asked, taking a few courses here, but I don't feel like I belong. This weekend I prayed for the first time in months. I asked God to show me a sign if he still wanted me in the ministry. I looked at Gwen. She was biting her lip and her eyes were welling up with tears. Not caring what anybody might think, we both hugged Terry. I put my arm on his shoulder and whispered, The Holy Spirit also said to tell you he wants to guide you again. All you have to do is ask him. Terry nodded and asked, Would you pray with me before you go? The three of us formed a circle and bowed our heads. I prayed, Father, thank you for giving Terry a sign of your love. Heal his emotional wounds. Renew your calling for him and guide him every day into the fullness of your will. Thank you for bringing us together by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Terry then rubbed his chest with his hand. My bitterness is gone, he said with a smile of relief. Thanks for having the guts to talk to me. I'll never forget tonight. He reached out and vigorously shook our hands. Later in the library, Gwen and I cracked the books with a warm glow in our hearts. The Holy Spirit was no longer just a remote concept or a list of attributes to memorize. He had revealed himself to us as a living personality. This taught me that the Holy Spirit not only spoke in days of old, but still speaks to us personally today. You see, friends, as we recall from last time, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Notice how the three key players in this true story fit into this template. First, there's the Lord through the Holy Spirit, the one with the divine resources. Second, there's a human need represented by Terry, who's been hurt and has wandered away from God's will. And third, there's a loving channel represented by Dan, who wants to be directed by the Holy Spirit. 
Last time in part one of this series, we saw that God delights in arranging coincidences, or as someone once coined the expression, God incidences. You see, friends, God is in the business of engineering circumstances in people's lives so that he can love them through us. Now, as this series continues to unfold, we'll be taking an extensive look at biblical love, so we're all on the same page. But for now, please ask the Lord to fill you with his love for other people, and make yourself available, and see what happens. Friends, I'd like us all to adopt what I call the engineer's prayer. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. You can either pray this as a general prayer, as stated here, or you can insert specific people's names for whom you are praying. Remember Johnny Erickson Todd's words from last time? God arranges for natural events to occur at specific times to further his end. So now let's keep all this in mind as we look at the account of Philip and the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8. Notice how Philip is introduced in the opening verses. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now remember, friends, last time we mentioned Acts one eight, where Jesus told his disciples, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy or ravage the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits kept coming out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So let's fast forward to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of Candake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? The eunuch asked. Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
Now, friends, notice the three key players in this account and how they fit into the same template, that being divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. First, there's the Lord through the Holy Spirit, the one with the divine resources. Second, there's a human need represented by the Ethiopian eunuch who is on a specific journey at a specific time. And third, there's a loving channel represented by Philip who is open and sensitized to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, just as in last time's account of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, this account of Philip in Acts 8 reveals a lot about how Philip approached the Ethiopian eunuch and reveals a similar model for us. Last time we looked at spiritual sight, looking with Jesus' eyes. This time we're looking at spiritual hearing, listening to the Holy Spirit's voice. You see, friends, I'm convinced that with just a little refining of our senses, tuned to spiritual frequencies, we'll be more able to see and hear what the Holy Spirit wants us to see and hear, to see and hear the cries of the people around us. Well, let's observe what characteristics Philip exhibited in this story. First, like Jesus, he made himself available. Sound familiar? How did Philip make himself available? In 8.4, we read, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. More literally, it's went about preaching the word. But went about carries with it the idea of passing through places or a region somewhat randomly. An interesting note by Stephen Arterburn and David Stoop in the Spiritual Renewal Study Bible says at Acts 8.4, The believers were driven from their homes in Jerusalem, but they used the opportunity to share the good news wherever they went. Translation, Philip had a spiritually holistic understanding of life as it's lived in the real world, and that God's sovereign hand was always at work, no matter what the circumstances. Application? Do we really take scriptures like Colossians 3.17 to heart? And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In other words, do we view our secular life as being separate from our sacred life? We shouldn't. All of life has a spiritual dimension to it, and if we view certain negative or unpleasant incidences in our lives as merely interruptions or aggravations, we may miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to get across to us to see or hear. We may miss a genuine opportunity to touch someone with our faith. Another way Philip made himself available is hinted at in verses 26 and 29. There, both an angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit gave him directions so he'd find the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was evidently a person of prayer, and therefore he was spiritually sensitive to hearing supernatural voices. Second, like Jesus, Philip asked questions. Friends, Philip asked questions to draw out information to determine where the Ethiopian was at spiritually. His initial question is found in verse 30. Do you understand what you're reading? Third, 
Like Jesus, Philip showed patience and recognized stepping stones to final belief. Notice that Philip entertains the eunuch's questions in verses 31 and 34, and is invited up into his chariot to give him the answers. In response to the eunuch's second question, Philip takes the opportunity to treat this as a stepping stone, to share that Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah, who has been revealed to be Jesus Christ. By being available, being a person of prayer, and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice, being patient and recognizing stepping stones to belief, Philip became a loving channel through which divine resources met a human need. And all this was to the glory of God. So let's all try to remember that God is in the business of engineering circumstances in people's lives so that he can love them through us. And let's not forget the engineer's prayers, I call it. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. Hmm, I was thinking maybe I should start a new marketing campaign to replace the WWJD one from years back. Maybe I'll call it WWPD. What would Philip do? So friends, today I'm hoping you'll come to see that in the life of Jesus in the Gospels and the life of Philip and other apostles and disciples in the book of Acts, that there seems to be just a handful of characteristics that the Lord works through. And please, friends, I'm not proposing that these characteristics represent a formula or a set way of doing things. Rather, they each represent a degree of personal willingness on our part. Each encounter we have with people will help us determine which of these characteristics work best. So let's review them for a minute. First, make yourselves available. Go where people are. Remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Second, be candid, but also be tactful. Show respect. Third, Look and see beyond the person's immediate need. Remember, the person's immediate need may just be the door you are looking for to open a conversation. Fourth, ask questions to draw out answers. Don't just declare truths. Ask questions to determine where the person is spiritually. Fifth, show patience. In other words, let the person know your care and listening. Sixth, and lastly, appeal to belief. Recognize there are stepping stones to belief, and don't expect everyone to have the whole enchilada right at the outset. Keep the door open for other discussions at a future time. Friends, knowing and utilizing these characteristics will enable the Lord to arrange for natural events to occur at specific times to further his end. Singer-songwriter Twyla Paris once shared this comment, Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears, and exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. The quiet yet passionate insistence of his follow me was spoken to people whose every sense was receptive. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to bring us face to face with God, we too will hear what Isaiah heard. And I'm going to add Philip and Dan Montgomery heard. In other words, the voice of the Lord. In perfect freedom, we too will say, here I am, send me. 
Friends, in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, the Apostle Paul gave us these words to spur us on. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I can't think of a more fitting exhortation to close with for all of us today than 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen: The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. I hope this journey together into touching others with our faith is eye-opening, educational, and instructive as to ways we can naturally, creatively, and practically touch others with our faith. Let's continue to include in our prayers people around us that need Jesus, and let's begin more carefully observing them and seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance on how to engage them in conversations. Let's pray the engineer's prayer. Amen? Are you courageous enough to pray that prayer? Well, today's broadcast will close with an email where you may write me and share your experiences and feedback. Please also consider joining the support team. I'll supply the details. And thanks to those of you whose support is keeping this program on the air. One listener recently wrote in and said, I just got a chance to listen to your teaching on worship. Great job. Worship is a lifestyle of a life focused on Jesus. I appreciate your balance and biblical insight. Well, thanks for those encouraging words. Please also remember that the podcasts are available at faithtalk1360.com. Just search for the local program podcasts. Forward the KPXQ site to those you think will be blessed and fed from these teachings. Thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends. If you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.